evidence and answers. Before you buy a car, you must take it for a test drive. Try before you buy. This works for buying a car, but does it really work for relationships? Does living together before marriage make for healthier marriages? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. In today's broadcast, let's tune in as Pat presents the facts on cohabitation and the biblical principles of relationships before and after marriage and discover the true facts on living together. If you're unable to hear this entire message, all of our broadcasts are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Now here's Pat with part one of Cohabitation. Not long ago, I was playing a round of golf with several buddies. And one of them looked over at me and said, you know, Pat, do you have any children? And I looked over at him and he said, no, I'm, I'm not married. I don't have any children. And he scoffed at me and he says, you don't need to be married to have children. Just live together. I live with my girlfriend. Why should anyone get married? Just live together. How would you respond to that question? Why should couples marry versus cohabitate? More and more couples today are choosing cohabitation over marriage. In the 1960s and 70s, about half a million people were living together. Between the 1970s and 1980s, it grew to about 1.5 million, so about triple that amount. In the 1990s, it grew to 3 million, double that amount. In the 2000s, it is up to 5 million. And a recent survey in 2012, according to the government census, 7.8 million couples live together. The U.S. News and World Report estimate today that nearly 50% of Americans cohabitate one time or another before marriage. George Barna, Christian sociologist, reports nearly 60% of Americans agree that cohabitating before marriage is the best way to get to know the other person before marriage. So cohabitation has increased tenfold in the last few decades. According to the Center for Disease Control, the 2013 report, just over a quarter of births to women of childbearing age in the past five years were to cohabitating couples, the highest on record and nearly double the rate from a decade earlier. We probably know many couples just in our circle of friends and family members who are living with a partner. In fact, our churches are filled with couples who live together and are not married. In a recent article in USA Today titled, Cohabitation is Replacing Dating, it states, Men and women who moved in together used to raise eyebrows. Living together out of wedlock, once considered shacking up or living in sin, has lost its stigma and cohabitation now has become mainstream. Well, is cohabitation a good option before couples get married? Should you try before you buy? How would you address the issue of cohabitation? Most Christians, when they need to address this issue, simply say, well, the cohabitation goes against the marriage principles taught in God's Word. And it kind of ends there. So I hope today in addressing this issue, which we all face, we all know friends and family members and perhaps... Uh, Those of you who are listening, some of you may be living together with your partner. What are some of the reasons that God gives us that, what are some of the reasons God gives us in his word why marriage is preferred over cohabitation and cohabitation is not to be an option for any person according to God's word? Well, let me give you some reasons here today. 
Now, often the top reason given for couples cohabitating before their marriage is that cohabitation is a good test drive for marriage. That's often the reason that you hear why couples feel they should live together and see if it works out before they get married. It's a good test drive for marriage. The old cliche, try before you buy. You often hear the reason you wouldn't buy a car without first test driving it, would you? Well, you ought to do the same thing when it comes to your future marriage partner. Well, try before you buy. This reasoning is very dehumanizing to the individual, especially to the female. The reason is this. If I decide not to buy the car after test driving it, the car's feeling doesn't get hurt. The car doesn't go through a time of feeling rejected and feel emotional, spiritual, and mental pain. Rejecting car does not bring with it all that emotional baggage into the next test drive. You see, test driving a relationship is only good if you are the driver. To put all that time and effort and emotion and the bonding that goes on when people live together, especially when they're sexually active, and then to have one person just walk out of that relationship is absolutely devastating, especially to the one that's left behind. And most of the time, it is the female in the relationship that ends up holding the bag while the other person walks out and goes to find another partner. That is just devastating in so many ways for the partner who has been walked out upon. Or if both decide to end it and leave, there are still some tremendous consequences for both to pay. It is not as simple as test driving a car, try before you buy. That's a myth that doesn't work in relationships. Now, a lot of couples who cohabitate think they're moving towards marriage, but research has shown those who cohabit actually view marriage negatively because it raises new responsibilities versus the freedom they had when living together. You see, one of the reasons couples live together instead of getting married is they don't want that commitment. They still want that freedom. They want all the benefits a marriage can have, but they want the freedom to be able to say, hey, if the going gets tough, I'm out of here. That's why the couple living together has almost all that marriage has to offer without the big responsibility, the key and major responsibility of commitment. That's what love is. Love is not a feeling. Love is commitment to say, I'm going to be with you through thick and thin, through good and bad, I'm going to be here with you. However, cohabitating couples feel trapped when they enter into marriage because one of their chief values is their freedom and their autonomy. When things get tough, they want the option to be able to walk out of that relationship. So they want all the benefits of a marriage without the key and major responsibility of that lifelong commitment. In contrast, those who did not cohabit those who waited as God commands before marriage, those who did not cohabit, they view marriage not as constraining, but liberating. Marriage is the culmination of their relationship. It's the fulfillment of all they have waited for. And so they've remained faithful to one another and faithful to the Lord, and it culminates in marriage. And so those who do not cohabitate, view marriage in a very positive way and come in with that commitment. I committed to wait for you and remain faithful before marriage. And now that we're married, I'm going to stick with you through thick and thin. 
through good and bad, I'll remain faithful. And that's the kind of commitment you need to make any kind of marriage work. Marriage allows these kinds of couples to reach the full depth of a relationship that they have long anticipated. That is why those couples who do not cohabit before marriage have stronger and much more fulfilling marriages than those who live together before they get married. David Popenow and Barbara Defoe Whitehead released their conclusions from the National Marriage Project at Rutgers University, a massive study in marriage versus cohabitation. And they discovered, much to the surprise of many, that cohabitating is counterproductive to a long-lasting relationship in marriage. There's several factors why. One of the reasons is the danger of different perceptions. Men often enter into a relationship with less intention to marry than women. Many times men see it as an opportunity for sex without the long-term commitment and the responsibility. Most women see cohabitating as one step before marriage, while the man may have other ideas. And often, the man in the relationship becomes resentful of the woman and views them as easy. And the respect for the woman there is lost. But also, the man in the relationship often gets resentful when the woman is constantly pushing for a committed relationship and marriage. Another major factor that was discovered was that people who live together have a harder time working out problems. Since there's no long-term commitment, there's no compelling desire to work things out. Many feel it is easier to just move into another situation. Many feel if the going's kind of tough, hey, just move on to greener pasture. The commitment to say, hey, no matter how tough things get, we're going to work this out. With God's help, we are going to try and work this out. Is not there in couples who live together. And remember, love is not a feeling. Love is commitment. And if you don't go into a relationship with that kind of commitment, saying we've made a vow before God and no matter what, we're going to do our best with God's help to work things out. Without that commitment, when relationships run into trouble, and they all do without that commitment being there, you're just asking for two people to get hurt in the whole process. Because in cohabitating couples, the commitment to work out their problems is not there. And so the study revealed that people who live together have a hard time working out problems. Now, I've talked to several marriage counselors, and one of the key things they told me, in fact, one of my good friends who is involved in marriage counseling says, I could tell you, couples need this one skill. If they have this one skill, I can predict about 90% of them will make it if they have this one skill. And I said, well, what's that one skill that they need? I mean, besides a relationship with the Lord and commitment, what is the one skill that couples really need that's so essential for marriage to work? And he stated, the ability to resolve conflict. If they have that, there's a 90% chance that the relationship is going to work out. They've got to be able to communicate and resolve conflict. Well, that's one of the chief things that was discovered in this study is that people who live together have a harder time working out problems because when the going gets tough, they simply say, hey, let's just bring it to an end and let's both go find greener pasture. So that key ability that's required in a marriage is not developed when couples cohabitate together. Now, there are some devastating consequences as a result of couples that practice cohabitation. Surveys show there's less sexual satisfaction between cohabitating couples. 
That's because Genesis teaches that men and women leave their mother and father and they become one flesh. There is a union that takes place. The sexual union that takes place between a man and a woman, they literally become one. Through that kind of intimacy, there's a bonding that takes place, emotional, mental, and spiritual. And yet when couples engage in sexual activity without that lifelong commitment of knowing that that other partner will be with you for the rest of your life, and this is the only one, and they have committed their life to be with you, without that commitment there, no wonder the sexual satisfaction between cohabitating couples is much less than those in a committed marriage relationship. The National Survey of Families and Households revealed that cohabitants are 46% more likely to divorce than marriages of those who do not cohabitate before they're married. One of the reasons that cohabitants value autonomy and their independence over commitment and tend not to be as committed as married couples in the dedication to the relationship. Once again, remember, Love is not a feeling, it's a commitment. And when you're not bringing that into a relationship, you're not bringing in one of the key pillars that you're not bringing in, you're not building it on one of the key pillars needed for any lasting relationship. That is the commitment that says, good, bad, or ugly, I'm staying faithful to you always. Michael Newcomb and PM Bentler in their study showed cohabitators have more difficulty in their marriages with adultery, independence, alcohol, and drugs. The research also showed that cohabitating couples have lower relationship quality, stability, and a higher level of disagreements than married couples. One of the reasons is that they're involved sexually, but they do not develop the communication skills that's required for a solid relationship. And along with solid communication skills, is the ability to resolve conflict constructively that is required for every couple to make it. The research shows that cohabitants have less problem-solving ability. And the reasons are quite obvious. Since there's no long-term commitment, there's less motivation to resolve conflict. And conflict resolution is one of the key skills needed, absolutely vital for a marriage to last. Numerous research shows that those who cohabit are more likely to think about divorce when the marriage struggles. And that's no surprise. If they value their autonomy, if they want the benefits without that long-term commitment, then it's no wonder that couples who cohabitate before marriage would consider divorce more readily who do not cohabit and come in with that strong commitment that before God we made this vow and we're going to stick it out no matter what. The research also shows the trust level is not as strong with couples who cohabitate. And that's a natural conclusion. I mean, think about it. If this person was not faithful before marriage, what makes me think they're going to be faithful after the marriage? If they weren't willing to commit and wait and control themselves and show self-control before marriage, you think they're going to be able to show that after marriage? What happens when the going gets tough, when they're in situations at work or in social situations or at school meetings, when they're around people of the opposite sex and they seem to be connecting with people of the opposite sex? That thought must haunt people where the trust is not there because if they weren't faithful before marriage, 
Can we be sure that they'll be faithful after marriage? So the two key pillars on which marriages are built, commitment and trust, is not there when cohabitating couples go into a marriage. Those who wait before marriage show that self-control, that restraint, and that commitment to one another, to honor one another, and to wait until marriage. And if they were willing to do that before marriage, well, there's a strong trust that is developed that will carry on right through the entire marriage. And then probably the most heartbreaking part of cohabitating couples involves the children. Children in cohabitation situations experience more behavior problems and perform lower academically. And there are several reasons for this, but there is less stability for the child who is unsure if his or her parents will remain together. And children need that stability of knowing that their mother and father are committed to one another and they'll be together while this child grows. But also it's difficult for a parent to explain with a child why there's another man or another woman or another partner moving in. This creates some problems in explaining it to the child. And what kind of example does it set for your children when they see this kind of activity with their parents? So on the golf course, when I was asked by my friend, you don't have to get married in order to have children. Why does anyone have to get married if they want children? Just be like me, live together with a girlfriend. We got three children. Why should anyone get married? And this is the response that I gave. I just looked at him and said, well, children are one of the most valuable things in life and one of the greatest responsibilities a mother and a father can have. And one of the greatest needs of the children is to know that their mother and father will be together throughout the growing up years of that child. And so they need to know that their mother and father is in a committed marriage relationship that provides the stability for the child that they need. And without that, the child is going to face numerous kinds of spiritual, mental, and emotional kinds of issues. And what kind of example does that set for the children? You want your daughter being exploited like that? You want your son living that kind of lifestyle? What kind of example does that set for the children? And my friend looked at it, he stopped, he paused, he thought about it for a minute, and then he simply just changed the subject. Because we could see he wanted the benefits of a marriage, but he didn't want that responsibility. He valued his autonomy and the ability to say, man, when the going gets tough, I'm out of here. And that's not the kind of commitment that's going to help a lasting marriage or relationship. And that kind of attitude doesn't build trust. Commitment and trust, the two things needed for any relationship to last, is not there. Now you notice in the presentation I've given so far, I haven't quoted much from the Bible. And the reason is this. Couples who are cohabitating or those who aren't believers in Christ often want reasons why God gives the commands that He does. And God gives us those commands for our joy and our protection because God is the architect of relationships and marriages. Marriage is the oldest covenant and it's not created by man. It's created by God. And who knows how our marriage works best than God. And the commands that He puts in are put in there for our protection and our maximum joy. And so that's why God prohibits cohabitation before marriage. And that's why try before you buy is a failed cliche 
It doesn't work when it comes to relationships. And so often couples that reject the Bible or don't want to hear the Bible, sometimes you have to argue to the Bible. You have to give reasons why God commands this. And often when you're showing what the research shows, indeed, it backs up God's truth. So you can present the research as I showed you today. I hope this information was helpful when you're talking to couples who are considering living together or who are living together and providing powerful reasons why it's not a good idea and why God's way works the best. And so you present this material and argue to the Bible. And when you present all what the research shows, then you can say, that is why God's word says this. Often that is an effective way to approach young people and couples who are considering or who are living together. Remember, all truth is God's truth. Truth leads to its source, which is, of course, God. Jesus Christ, who said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth finds its origin in God. So truth in any arena is going to lead back to its source, and ultimately its source is God, the architect of all relationships and marriages. So try before you buy may work when buying a car or a bicycle, but it definitely doesn't work when it comes to relationships and marriage. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. Be sure to join us next time for the continuation of this exciting show. If you find this broadcast to be a blessing, please consider partnering with us. Evidence and Answers relies on generous donations from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may do so right there online on the homepage of our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find that we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including additional audio, articles, and Pat's books. Evidence and Answers would like to thank one of our sponsors, State Farm Agent Sue Ann Liu. For all your insurance needs, home, auto, or life, contact Sue Ann Liu at sueannliu.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and Answers. Evidence and Answers.